On September 11th, 2001, terrorists hijacked several planes and intentionally smashed them into multiple buildings in the United States. Around 3,000 people died in those attacks, and the entire world took notice. Now, people across the globe responded to these attacks in a variety of, of different ways. Some were overwhelmed with sorrow at the death of thousands of innocent people. Others wickedly rejoiced in the harm that America had received. Others were shocked. Some didn't really care. And others were filled with anger. But the way people throughout the world responded to those terrible events revealed a lot about those people's character. The way people responded to that terrible event showed who people really were. Well, last week we looked at the most terrible event that ever occurred in the history of mankind. The murder of the perfect son of God. Now we have seen that that horrible event was also the, the, the greatest event that ever occurred. As Jesus died to pay for the sins of his people. Jesus died as a sacrifice to bring eternal salvation to everyone who repents and believes. But the amazing good that God accomplished through that incredible evil, does not make that event any less evil. It was still the greatest evil, the most terrible event that has ever occurred. And the people who witnessed that terrible event responded to it in a variety of different ways. And their responses to that horrible event will reveal to us a lot about their character. It will show us who they really are. But it will not only show us who those people in the past were, but it will begin to show us who we are. And the responses to the death of Jesus will set the stage for the most exciting event that has ever occurred in the history of the world, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So please look with me at Matthew 27, verses 54 through 66. <clears throat> when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening there, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. 
The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Lord God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. A passage that gives us insight into how We should and shouldn't respond to the death of your Son. And a passage that helps give us evidence to the truth of your Son's resurrection. I ask God that as we look through this passage that we would be changed by it. That we would be encouraged by it, convicted by it, and led to walk more faithfully with you. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Jesus had just died. The man who had preached with divine authority, who had lived a perfect life, who had had done a never-ending stream of supernatural miracles, who had fulfilled dozens of scriptures, and who had claimed to be the Son of God, the promised Savior King. The man who had been hated by wicked men, who had been betrayed by a friend, who had been abandoned by his disciples, who had been arrested by the evil leaders of the Jews, who had been slandered and wrongly condemned to die, who had been beaten, scourged, mocked, and hung on a cross to die. Jesus had just died. And before his death, A supernatural darkness had descended across the land. And at Jesus' final cry, God had shook the earth and split the rocks in two, showing the people that this man hanging on the cross was no ordinary victim of Roman soldiers. This man was unique. And that brings us to the first response to the death of Jesus. The frightened, the frightened. Matthew 27, verse 54 says, When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus had been crucified by Roman soldiers. These men in specific were working under the authority of the Roman governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate. And this particular group of soldiers was tasked with leading Jesus to an execution site, nailing him to a cross and guarding Jesus until he died. These soldiers would not have been Jews and most likely would have had either no understanding of the scriptures or very little. Instead, these men would have been part of 
the pagan religion of the Romans or one of the many other pagan religions across the Roman Empire. The soldiers were led by a centurion who was usually a captain of a hundred men. And this commanding officer and the soldiers around him spoke up when they witnessed Jesus' death and the remarkable events that surrounded his death. Again, verse 54 says, When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. The soldiers would have known that Jesus claimed to be the divine king as they had been part of the battalion that had mocked Jesus for it. They had also seen the Jews mock Jesus for claiming to be the Son of God. They also would have known that Jesus was innocent as the governor had publicly declared Jesus to be innocent before caving in to Jewish pressure to execute him. So the Romans knew who Jesus claimed to be. They knew that he was innocent of wrongdoing. And last week we saw that they had seen a a supernatural darkness descend upon the land and at the very moment of Jesus' death, there was a massive earthquake. And these Romans, they were not stupid. The end of verse 54 says that when they saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with and said, truly, this was the Son of God. That word, awe, in the original Greek means to be filled with fear and reverence, to be terrified, to be struck with amazement and seized with alarm. These well-trained, Professional, foreign, tough soldiers were incredibly frightened by what they just felt and saw. The earthquake and the other things that took place pointed towards Jesus being more than just another Jewish victim. It pointed towards Jesus being who he said he was. It pointed towards Jesus being divine. And so they responded by proclaiming, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, these soldiers were not just sort of toying with the possibility of of Jesus maybe possibly being the Son of God. The word truly at the beginning of their statement shows that they spoke with certainty. They fully believed that this Jesus was divine. Jesus' identity, which... The Jewish leaders had spent the last several years denying was fully believed by these Roman pagan executioners. Now, this does not necessarily mean that these soldiers repented and fully embraced Jesus as their Savior. Many people throughout the book of Matthew were were wowed or or frightened by the the supernatural events that were surrounding Jesus Christ. And they, they recognized him to be something special, but never fully turned to Jesus as their Savior and King. Also, remember in Matthew, the devil and the demons all recognized Jesus to be the Son of God. 
Believing that Jesus is the Son of God is not the same thing as believing in that Son of God as your forgiver, as your Lord. Just acknowledging that some facts are true does not save you. Trusting in the Savior is what saves you. So we do not know for sure if the Roman soldiers humbly turned to Jesus as their Savior and King, but at the very least we know that these pagan executioners responded to Jesus properly with fear and awe as they recognized and proclaimed the truth that he was the Son of God. But although we may not know if those soldiers ever began to truly follow Jesus, our next point shows us those who definitely were faithful followers of the Son of God. So let us look at the committed, the committed. Matthew 27, verse 55 through 61 says, There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Jesus had been surrounded by Jewish and Roman mockers, but there were some watching that crucifixion who did actually care about Jesus. Verse 55 says there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. Although women were often looked down upon in ancient society, these Jewish women had found in Jesus a man who valued them, who taught them, and who welcomed them as his followers. And many of these women had followed Jesus all the way from Galilee, ministering to him, meaning that they had traveled with him, working to to meet his needs while he was teaching throughout Judea. And these women looked on from a distance, not, not coming near either because it was not safe or because it was not proper for women to be there at the cross or because they didn't want to be associated with all the, the mockers standing around the cross. But whatever the reason, these women looked on as their master died. And their past service to him and their their presence there at the cross showed their commitment and their devotion to him. And their willingness to, to be there at the cross stands in stark contrast to the conduct of the twelve disciples. From what we know from the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we only see recorded that the Apostle John was there at Jesus' crucifixion. All the others had abandoned him and were apparently still acting like cowards. But these women showed their love for Jesus by their willingness to come to that cross. 
And verse 56 says that, the, that uh, among the many women were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The Bible puts a, a special focus on these three women, probably because they were the three most dedicated and the three that because of their dedication would be the first witnesses to the resurrection. Mary Magdalene was from the region of Magdala. And Luke 8 says that, that Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, mercifully delivering her from the oppression of those evil spirits. Another Mary was the mother of James and Joseph. And the final woman was the mother of the sons of Zebedee, those two sons being the apostles John and James. These three women watched Jesus die, would watch him be buried, and would be the first to see him resurrected. They did not yet understand the reason why Jesus had to die, but they stayed committed to their master even while he hung on that cross. Another individual who showed his commitment to Jesus was a man named Joseph. Verse 57 says, When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. This man was an important man. He was rich. Luke 23 says that he was a, a member of the Jewish council, meaning this was a very prominent man, a, a leader among the Jews. But unlike most of the Jewish leaders, Joseph was not an evil man, but was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of the Christ. Because he loved Jesus, verse 58 through 60 says, He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Joseph did not want Jesus' body to, to rot on that cross, nor did he want his body to be thrown into a, a common grave. Apparently, Joseph's, excuse me, apparently Joseph's wealth and, and his political position was, was high enough for him not only to, to get a meeting with the governor, but also for the governor to grant his request for Pilate ordered Jesus' Jesus's body to be given to him. So G Joseph quickly got the body ready for, for burial. He, he took the body and he wrapped it in a clean linen shroud. And then he continued to show love for his master as he laid Jesus' body in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And then he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And like so many other things through, throughout Jesus' life, even this was a fulfillment of the Scriptures. As Isaiah 53.9 says that the promised Christ would have his grave with a rich man in his death. And here in Matthew we find Jesus being buried in the tomb of a rich man. And it was a big deal for this rich man to be willing to do all of this. Uh, the most important Jewish leaders in Israel hated Jesus and had done everything that they could to get Jesus executed. And here was Joseph, 
a, a rich, prominent member of their own council publicly giving honor to Jesus by giving him a proper burial, a burial in his very own tomb. Joseph was here revealing himself as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, and he had to know that it would cost him, as he had set himself up against the most powerful men in Israel. He was willing to possibly lose his position, his, his wealth, because he was committed to his master. A master that in his eyes would not be able to help him in the future as he had just died and been buried. Joseph did not yet understand why Jesus had to die, but he was a faithful believer. And some of the women who were mentioned at Jesus' death also showed their commitment to Jesus at his burial. As verse 61 says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Jesus had been placed in a tomb. A great stone had closed the entrance, but the women still had trouble leaving. Unlike the twelve disciples, they did all that they could to not abandon the Lord. They responded to Jesus' death with love and commitment. But there's one more response to Jesus' death we're going to look at today. And unlike the women and Joseph, this response is not one to be admired. The final group is the hardened. The hardened. Matthew 27, verses 62 through 66. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. The phrase, after the day of preparation, would mean that this was a Saturday. This was the Sabbath. And according to verse 62, on that day, a gathering of the chief priests and the Pharisees came before Pilate. Now, the chief priests ran the temple, and they were the liberals of the Jewish religion. While the Pharisees were the main teachers and theologians, and they were the conservatives in Israel, these two groups hated each other. But the one thing that brought them together was their greater hatred of Jesus Christ. They had come together to get Jesus executed, and now they came together to squash any possibility of his movement continuing. They came to the governor to ask for a favor, and they said in verse 63 and 64, Sir, we remember that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. 
these Jewish leaders were concerned about the prophecies of Jesus. Jesus had clearly foretold his upcoming death and his resurrection on the third day. And unlike most of Jesus' followers, the enemies of Jesus actually remembered what he had said. And these Jewish leaders did not want Jesus' prophecies to continue his influence. So they asked that Jesus' tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. They wanted Pilate to use his authority, to use his his resources to make sure that Jesus' disciples didn't sneak into the tomb and remove Jesus' body. Uh, They didn't want the disciples to pretend that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day and then point to that empty tomb as proof. The Jewish leaders were concerned that the deception of a fake resurrection would be worse than a deception of a fake Christ. So they asked Pilate to secure the tomb after the third day. For once the third day was over and Jesus had not risen from the dead, the Jewish leaders could then squash any idea from then on out that Jesus had been the promised Savior King. Pilate had already been greatly pressured by the Jewish leaders to execute Jesus, and he had caved in to avoid a riot. And now, of course, he did not want there to be a disturbance and conflict among the Jews because of a fake resurrection, and he didn't want the Jewish leaders to cause more trouble. So in verse 65 and 66, Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Pilate gave them a a detachment of Roman soldiers and told them to secure the tomb as, as much as they wanted. He gave them what they wanted, so now their responsibility would be on them. So the chief enemies of Jesus, using the soldiers and the authority of a Roman governor, sealed the stone and put in place a group of soldiers to guard it. Jesus had died, and the Jewish leaders had refused to confess their sin and acknowledge their guilt. Supernatural miracles had occurred at the time of Jesus' death, and the Jewish leaders had no reverence or fear. Their response to Jesus' death was just to do damage control and try to make sure that Jesus' influence would not spread after his death. And after all the miracles that Jesus had done, they still had no faith that Jesus could rise from the dead. The Jewish leaders responded to Jesus' death by further hardening their hearts. As we come to the end of our passage today, we're going to be finished by by looking at two key things that we should learn from from these verses. Number one, Jesus' death demands a response. Jesus' death demands a response. A response. Jesus had the most amazing ministry in all the world. His perfect life, his persuasive teaching, his powerful miracles all pointed towards the truth that this was a unique person.
person. This was the prophesied Christ. This was the promised Savior King. And the supernatural events surrounding Jesus' death all pointed towards the truth that this truly was the Son of God. So as this innocent man was wrongfully and wickedly executed, and as this was the ultimate prophet, the promised Christ, the eternal Savior and divine King, his death should bring some response. And the soldiers, they responded with awe and fear. Joseph and the women responded with loving commitment. And the Jewish leaders responded with hard hearts. How have you responded to the death of Jesus? Are you hardened like the Jewish leaders, unwilling to admit the obvious truth about Jesus? Are you opposed to the very person who's supposed to be ruling your life? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And if you do, have you fully trusted in Him as your Savior and as your Lord? Do you just have an intellectual agreement with the facts that Jesus was the Redeemer? Or have you truly committed to Him as your Savior, as your King? Jesus' death demands your response. And He demands a response of your family members, your co-workers, your classmates, your friends and your neighbors? Have you responded the right way? And have you told the people around you about their need to respond rightly to the death of Jesus? Number two, Jesus' burial proves the resurrection. Jesus' burial proves the resurrection. The Roman soldiers were professional executioners. They they had been around death on a regular basis and would have seen the crucifixion of many people. They were not wet behind their ears, rookies who had never seen death. So when Jesus died on that cross, they would have known he was dead. And their close watch of Jesus the whole time he was on the cross would have prevented anyone from tending to his wounds or removing him before his death. According to the professional soldiers, Jesus really died on that cross. The women also watched Jesus die. And Joseph, a follower of Jesus, prepared Jesus' body for burial, locked him in a tomb, and rolled a stone into place. So they, they also thought he was dead. And the Jewish leaders, the main enemies of Jesus during his time on earth, the people who wanted him dead above anyone else, Well, they secured the tomb so that no one could steal his body and pretend he had risen, which means that they also believed that Jesus was dead. So Jesus, he did not fake his own death. 
He he didn't just faint and, and get put into that tomb alive. The testimony of the Roman guards, of the followers of Jesus, and of the enemies of Jesus all said that Jesus really was dead. Which helps demonstrate the truth that the resurrection that we're going to be talking about next week was a real resurrection from the dead. Jesus' burial confirms that he really died on that cross, which helps prove that Jesus really came back to life again on that third day. Also, the precautions Jesus' enemies took to secure the tomb also helps prove that Jesus' disciples did not steal his body. The great stone had been rolled into place and sealed The tomb had been surrounded by an official group of armed guards. The security measures for the tomb had been approved by the worst enemies of Jesus. And so no ragtag band of fearful disciples would have been able to to sort of sneak in and take that body. The burial of Jesus shows us that the empty tomb was not a result of some sneaky disciples but was the result of Jesus conquering death and coming back from light to life again. The burial of Jesus helps prove his resurrection. So in the words of the hymn that we're going to end our service with, Christ is risen, Christ is living. Dry your tears, be unafraid. Death and darkness could not hold him, nor the tomb in which he lay. Do not look among the dead for one who lives forevermore. Tell the world that Christ is risen. Make it known he goes before. Lord God, we thank you so much that that is true. We thank you that your son did not stay in that tomb, that he has risen from the dead. And we thank you that in your kindness towards us, you have shown it very clearly that this event was not a fraud, was not a a, a fake, but was real. You have proved that through the burial of your son. And I ask, Lord God, that as we think about the responses that were, were made by these different individuals to the death of your son, that, that we would be led to respond rightly. That we would not harden our hearts like the Jewish leaders. That we would not make up excuses to not believe you. That we would not continue to reject you. But that we would truly turn to you. Not just intellectually agreeing that some facts are true, but fully trusting in your Son as our Savior, admitting our sin and our need for Him to forgive us, to wash us clean. Help us, Lord God, to do that in our hearts. And I ask, Lord God, that you would help us to proclaim this truth to others, that we would tell people their need to respond rightly to Jesus' death and his resurrection, that they need to turn to him, that they need to put their trust in him as their Savior and King. We do thank you so much for our Savior. We thank you for his death. 
We thank you for his burial. And we thank you that he has risen from the dead. And in his name we pray. Amen.